0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. Good afternoon, Andrew. You know him. You know that voice for Hello, sure. That's my and family co-host, Andrew Decker. What's up, man? Oh man, it's 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 almost Thanksgiving. We're yeah. we're about ten days out. It feels great outside. We've had some beautiful weather. Yeah, it lately. doesn't feel like
1: Thanksgiving. It feels warm. Like, yeah, uh, it's we're a both warm. in short sleeve shirts today.
0: I mean, it's Texas.
1: It is Texas. Uh, you yeah. know, actually, you know, there have been a few Thanksgivings where I've worn shorts and played football in the front yard. So,
0: you know, it happens. It happens. Usually, it happens. I wear shorts for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you grew up in Houston. That's yeah. That's like, well, we're swimming. Gonna... I'm swimming to Grandma's house, right? Yeah. So human over house. the hill and
1: through the pool
0: to grandmother's right. house you go. Um, we have another author on this week's. Uh, episode. I
1: know. How are we getting so lucky? We're, don't getting, know. we're getting writers now.
0: Yeah, this yeah. is pretty great. Um, and we, we're really excited about the the topic that we're going to discuss, the book that's that's out, and how, uh, how she can help in our criminal defense cases. Right,
1: right. So uh, today we get to have Victoria Rusk. She is a mitigation specialist. Love it. Um, which is, and we got to actually preview her book that she wrote and released this year. Yeah. Um, we're not going to talk a lot about it. We're going to let her talk about it. So Victoria, say hello to our uh, listening audience.
2: Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me, Andrew and Andrew.
1: No problem. Excellent. time. So um, my understanding is currently you maybe
0: you are in Houston now?
2: Yes. I okay. love Houston. I
0: love Houston. Yes. Oh, I love right Houston, here. too. I don't mm-hmm. live there anymore, but the one thing I do miss is all of the fantastic restaurants
2: oh my gosh right flavor and it's funny
0: listening to people from north texas complain about houston traffic it's like they've never been stuck in traffic in north texas before
2: right exactly well and i mean traffic is a thing but at the same time you know if you're gonna live anywhere cool you're gonna have to have deal with traffic
1: yeah that's right that's why i don't live anywhere cool um (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So, but, but reading your resume, so, so just, you know, we actually do a little bit of research. Uh, you were in Lubbock for a while. So, so the high plains are a very different place than Houston. Why were you in Lubbock?
2: Well, I was born and raised in Lubbock and I graduated from Texas tech. Reckham. I graduated in 2005 and my background is in journalism and public relations. So I worked at the local Fox station there and another local in another Fox station um outside of Texas when I was starting my career. And when I got into criminal defense, it was um, you know, a family friend, a lawyer friend who said, Hey Victoria, I think you would be really good at this job called a mitigation specialist because I do um have the skill set of a journalist. And then also I just have done so much humanitarian work that he Thought, Man, I think he would really do good at this. And I was actually um, laid off after the 2008 economic crisis. Yeah. So, so welcome um, to the
1: 2020 economic crisis. Thank Sorry. you,
2: thank you. I'm way ahead of the game now. I'm ready for this. This <laughs> one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so you grew up in Lubbock. Uh, I actually lived in Lubbock as a uh, as a child myself for a little while. Um, Explains
0: uh, so much.
1: It does explain a lot, doesn't it? Anyway, um, so you, you worked for the Fox station there. You worked for a Fox station outside. But you ended up actually writing for the Avalanche, correct?
2: Mm-mm. No, I didn't. I didn't write for the Avalanche. I, wor- I wrote for that Fox station there. I was a producer. Oh but no, I didn't write. Um, no, as so- a producer, I was broadcast journalism.
1: Okay, sorry. Somewhere in there, I just assumed that you were you were writing for the Avalanche. That that yeah. that was a bad assumption on my part. But again, how well, do you go from being a journalist in Lubbock to a mitigation specialist? Because even we all get people who come in and go, "You'd be great at," and they throw something great. on the table,
0: like, "Yeah, what about that?" I guess spoke to you, like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you know, I I feel this draw towards mitigation specialists," and that's probably well, like, like what's what makes it even so odd is like what in the ever living hell is a mitigation specialist yeah that'd that's be my first exactly. question if i were you
2: <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking and then i thought whenever he uh, explained it to me i was like that sounds dangerous you know, <laughs> right? talking to criminals yeah there's people so like so what, committed what it, capital murder that sounds scary yeah right.
1: so so let's start with that Let, let's just start mm. with it. what yeah, is so. a mitigation specialist let's let's just assume that that i'm naive because we know andrew's smarter than i am um and I don't know what that is.
2: So a mitigation specialist is a person who um, is going to be appointed a lot of times in capital cases. So whenever a person is charged with capital murder, they are appointed to criminal defense attorneys, an investigator and a mitigation specialist. The mitigation specialist is kind of like an investigator But the investigator is investigating the who, the what, the where, the when, and the how. And the mitigation specialist is investigating the why, the real why behind the alleged crime. And we will investigate or understand a person, not just what they share with us or tell us, but through the eyes of their family and friends, the community around them, and people who are from the outside looking in at them, and you know, their family, um, whether it's teachers or coaches or maybe a parole officer or a cellie from you know, however many years ago, an employer or a coworker. It might even be like a, ma- a neighbor or mom's old coworker that was her bingo friend. It can be a variety of people that we are talking to to learn about this person and how they got to be put in the situation or the circumstances that they're in at that time.
0: Beautiful, yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, again, you're a journalist, uh, and an and an attorney comes to you and says this. And you said that you got laid off in 2008 in the economic mm-hmm. downturn, and we kind of made joke about that. So, so was it, it? Was it in that? Was it a drive for necessity at the moment that then sparked a passion, or was it a passion yes. that got got pushed because of the
2: moment? Yes, I definitely needed a job because when I was interviewing, I started working for the Regional Public Defender's Office for Capital Cases there in Lubbock. And I was just basically going to be trained in Lubbock for a month or so. And then I was moved to um, another rural county in South Texas outside of San Antonio. So I was going to have to.
0: Which uh, county? You
2: know, Uvalde County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had to, um, you know, the interview was kind of strange because at the time I had been laid off for of almost a year or so, and I was working yep. in construction because my aunt and her husband owned a cabinetry business. So I was just a, you know, a right. go for go for stuff, help help with things, yeah, and do what I was told to do. The
1: employee, yeah, you yeah. had a job yes. at that point, yeah, right?
2: That's right, yeah, that's right. And so working, um, little did I know, working in construction, I was working with a lot of felons. And yeah. so when I got the opportunity to interview for a mitigation specialist position, um, I think that they liked that I was a writer. So I was going to be really great at organizing information and that I worked with so many different people before through other jobs that I had. And um, when I told the, my coworkers at the time who were working, you know, peeling paint sanding and doing all the cabinetry work they were just like oh my gosh you're gonna go into prisons or you're gonna go into jails victoria you know and then they start just sharing with me their life story and how they got caught up in their their case and um what parole was like or what being in prison was like and so um little did i know that the universe or you know god was kind of preparing me for such a position to be a mitigation specialist. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I didn't want to work in construction and I wanted to have a better paying job. Right. And um, this sounded really interesting and adventurous and, you know, when I asked about the fear factor and it like, well, what happens if they, you know, come across the table at me or what happens if I'm in a scary neighborhood or something? And they said, well, you don't stay, you follow your intuitions. And if you feel your intuition, and if you feel like you're in danger, then you just get the hell out of there. And I was like, okay, I can handle that.
0: I'll yeah. Be fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, Great advice. It, yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> and,
1: and, and it's something that, uh, I know as attorneys, we get asked occasionally is how do you go do that? And you're like, well, one, you do have to pay attention to your surroundings. But two, um, what, what I found is that the people that really need our help so desperately want our help that, that they're not a threat to us. No. In fact, in fact, it's almost the other way around. They will do anything to protect us.
2: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I've had clients who are very mentally ill and have homicidal ideations. And that's a real thing to be aware of. And so what I would have to do in a situation like that in particular is I would ask him, you know, when the jailer brings you down, because I interview people in an interview room, um, not an attorney booth, especially for capital cases, it's very, um, you know, an intense understanding of a person and any angle that you can humanize someone you definitely should as a mitigation specialist. So I told my client, I said, whenever the jailer brings you down, I'm going to ask you like, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling strong and healthy? And if you don't feel strong and healthy, IE you have, you're not feeling like that you can be okay in the room with me because of your homicidal ideations, then you're going to say no and I'm going to go upstairs and meet you in the attorney booth upstairs. And so he was like, yeah, that's fine, Victoria. Like, totally cool. And I was like, so that's just kind of going to be what we do to make sure that we stay safe and I stay safe because I know that you don't want to hurt me. And I know that your mental, you know, your mental health is definitely a factor in how you live day to day and you're living in a very stressful condition here in the jail. So let's just be honest and helpful to one another and do the right thing in the moment every time we, you know, meet up and um that was fine and i never was worried or scared or nervous because you're right nobody wants to hurt somebody else that's not people don't wake up and be like today i'm gonna go and i'm gonna kill blah 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 like it doesn't work like that so my client having you know a mental illness we just had to be so thoughtful that that's what we were going to say when we first met because if you were saying like no today's not a great day i'm not feeling too great okay Because I wouldn't know until I got to the jail and they actually brought my client to the interview room because I can't call before I get there and I can't ask a jailer like, how's my client feeling? Because they don't know and that's not their job.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds, so to, to sum that up, it sounds like a lot of what you have to do is lay good groundwork with people that may not have a lot of trust built up in them. Like yeah. they don't trust well and people don't trust them. And you're starting with very simple. Let's just, let's start with how do you feel today? Do you feel healthy enough for us to have a conversation safely together? Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is, yeah,
2: and I would say that's kind of a rare situation because most clients are cool, easygoing and just being in jail. It has them to a level of, um, comfort, safety and security that they're not worried about anything or, you know, or anything like that, you know, my clients that are out that are out on bond, you know, those clients, you know, we have to have we might have certain conversations or whatever. But honestly, as a professional, we have to take care of ourselves and just be thoughtful of what we're putting ourselves, you know, in if we're putting ourselves in harm's way or not, because I can go interview a witness that I don't know is schizophrenic. Yeah, And just some of the conversations that we're having, if I don't know mental health first aid and know how to safely, securely back out of a conversation and get to safety, you have to have street smarts for that. <laughs>
0: well, do you, and when you, when you go out into the field, are you traveling alone or you, do you have another staff member go with you? I mean, you know, yeah. what's the protocol within your, your company?
2: Yeah, no, I, um, I travel by myself and I do all the work by myself, like to hire, to hire, you know, um, a bodyguard or another person yeah. or whatever, that's an extra expense. And I'm like, try yeah. not to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's be real. Like we're here to, you well, know, make yeah. money. And so that's part of it is being thoughtful of the business certainly aspect of don't it. Work and
0: for free. Yeah. And, and, uh, and really like what I have found too, cause I, you know, working with criminal defendants, as Andrew said, we get, we get asked all the time, like, you know, aren't you ever scared? I'm like, no, I mean, like the fear of something is often worse than, you know, than actually, than reality. Exactly. So, exactly um, no, I've lying. never been in fear of my life. I represented some pretty, pretty uh, individuals in some pretty hairy situations and charged with some pretty serious crimes. I have never once felt in fear of my life. Have have had him in my office. I've, you know, talked to him on the mm-hmm. phone.
1: So the only time that I've been in fear of my life was not as a defense attorney.
2: Okay. Right. Same. Same. Right.
1: right. It wasn't, it wasn't in this work. It was in my former work, but yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so, so we now know what a mitigation specialist is and, and it sounds like this change came out of necessity and wanting a better job and wanting a better uh, opportunity for you. So what kind of, and you trained up at the uh, Lubbock uh, regional defender's office. So what kind of cases do you see mitigation helping the most?
2: Um, it's mandatory in capital cases outside of capital work. It's going to be like your habituals. It's going to be uh, felon felonies and sex cases. I mean, in the state of Texas, if you're charged with a felony, then your range of punishment is five to 99. So I think, you know, even if you're a first-time offender, let's say, mitigation is going to be great to getting you closest to that 5 year and or a possibility of probation, of long-term probation. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a re, a, you know, you have to kind of neg- will you go negotiate with the DA to try to get um with the mitigation or some of the facts that you have in your case or to get them to charge you know, to charge them differently, right? So if we're aggravated robbery, we can get it down the charge to regular rob- robbery, then perhaps maybe we can get, um, you know, probation, but it just depends. Each case is unique. Now, when you have just terrible facts, let's say just terrible facts um, and your client hires you, um, you've got to start preparing for punishment no matter what. So those Those type of cases that you're just like, dude, I just don't know what we're going to do because this is kind of, you know, this is what we have to face. And starting mitigation as soon as possible, as soon as you're hired, is the smartest thing to do. But in court-appointed cases, I would say those, um, the habituals, you know, murder and sex cases, um, courts are appointing mitigation specialists and giving a certain amount of funding towards those those cases. So it is possible, but you want to educate your court about the importance of preparing for punishment. And if you don't, you can be found ineffective. And I have that information yeah. in this handbook, but yeah, we'll get to that in a bit.
1: Right. So, so primarily you're saying, and and I can't disagree. I think, I think it's exactly spot on. It's primarily those cases where, uh, so first degree or habitual offenders. So we're in that for a first degree felony to remind those listeners in home is five to 99 or life, uh, in, uh, the penitentiary habitual starts at 25. Yep. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so to mitigate even down, and I put that in air quotes down to 25 years can be huge when your up range is 99 or life. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's interesting, you know, uh, the, the things that can be mitigating, uh, I literally received from a parole officer this last week and I sent it on to a DA, uh, pre indictment. I said, this guy's just got out. He's been out of the pen for, for less than, uh, three months and he's back in jail waiting for uh, now on a, on a burglary of a building, stole cigarettes out of a, out mm-hmm. of a store. Parole says he's got a IQ of 68. And he's 63 years old, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the, 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 if you look at this as a person, not as a crime, you go, why would I want to put a 63 year old with a 68 IQ? Just for those of you know, at home that puts him in the bottom 2% of all adults. Yeah. Right. Putting him in the penitentiary for another 20 years, isn't going to make any difference. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not going to change who he is and it's not going to really make us any safer um, but if you look at it as many people do, and, and sometimes even I do, and and Andrew and I, uh, have talked about this enough time, we look just at the crime. So why, I think it's a great segue into our next question. Why shouldn't someone just, this just do the time, right? Why, why should we be soft on crime? Because someone, uh, hasn't learned their lesson.
2: Right. I just want to say, you know, I think people think that mitigation is soft because they're thinking that, Oh, this guy had a bad childhood or this, you know, this lady um, was beaten by her husband. And so it almost has like this sympathy feel for it, but that is not what mitigation is. Um, It it can be part of it. It can help, I guess, but I don't, I really kind of stay away from sympathy like themes because to me, I think that it just, it aggravates the jury or the judge. Um, oh, that's
0: so, interesting. You've got to be that, careful.
2: It's a thin line yeah. right there. It's a thin line. So I would say, let's take your example. Um, this gentleman who's 63 years old and has a lower IQ, um, this intellectual disability is actually the mitigating circumstance of the crime that would actually get this person uniquely sentenced for the crimes that they committed. And what they committed were really crimes of, um, of poverty, of a person living in the crisis of poverty, and that's the real problem. Um, so I feel like that mitigation packet might be more of, um, of trying to have some kind of redemption or resolution of like, where is this person being or not being? Can they even get a job? And who is their caretaker if they have that, and why isn't that set up? that would be something more um, mitigating, I think, to a judge or a jury to get them the proper sentence, right? But, um, I mean, for that case in particular, that's where my mom would go. But let's say for a person that is – sorry about that buzz, y'all. The laundry is done.
0: Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) yeah, uh
2: (laughs) Sorry about that um excuse me
0: um and good for you for multitasking
2: oh, okay yeah. yeah you know this is a woman's work like i well, tell that, you okay
0: but i but i love that because i'm i'm usually talking with when i when i'm negotiating with prosecutors i'm usually saying something along the lines of like let's you know what what is justice in this case think about the right. facts of this case and let's have the the actual sentence or punishment meet the facts of the case it's not you know this is not just let's read a report and then assign a number to, you know, some, some lettering on a page. This is, you know, the, so our job, um, a lot of times is filling in who the person is behind the charge. And I, I love that, that you're, you're essentially just pro- providing that service for us, you're, but but you're really taking a deep dive into it is what I'm getting. Like you're interviewing yeah. family members, friends, anybody who can really, uh, provide a glimpse into who this, this person may be.
2: Exactly. And I just think, you know, we have to under, remember, remember that the prosecutors are humans too. And when we, as mitigation specialists, are in a mitigation investigation, we're learning about the, our client's life. We're learning about the the universal theme, the story of their life. And when we can get their story, we can be like, okay, this guy has experienced abandonment, or this person has experienced, you know. Um, the you know a spiritual awakening i guess we could say this person has experienced you know a certain amount of loss right like maybe they got a divorce and lost their job all in the same year and that amount of loss is a universal theme that anybody can understand and prosecutors are human beings too and they too have experienced loss they too have experienced a plethora of emotions, just like our clients, just like us. And if we know our client's story to that degree, and we have witnesses and records and a timeline to kind of share and, you know, have the, or the information unfold in such the way we can bring people to the conclusions that we want to bring them to. And so in negotiating like a plea, let's say um, a proper sentence with a prosecutor, it's saying like, you know, this is going, this is what, what trial would actually end up being like. And this is what I think that my, this is what I know my client might be able to agree to, or this is what I think the plea should be for this case because of these things. And we can incorporate the if they have mental what their brain health is. So brain health can be anything in my mind to a traumatic brain injury, a behavioral disorder, mental illness, intellectual disability. And just knowing the basics of those things which you know lawyers do not know that. It's, they know how to be a lawyer and they would have to read a number of other books to kind of understand what to look for the signs and symptoms and how the population that we help talk about those things to know, to connect the dots to that. Right. And so when you know that your client, um, say has intellectual disability, Um, One of the things that comes up for me is, is like, how are they contributing or the culpability to this crime if they are actually have a lower IQ or they have some, um, you know, learning disability or something like that, that were they were they the leader or was the co-defendant the leader? Stuff like that, that, you know, I think about as a mitigation specialist that makes total sense. That's not somebody's crying mama begging you to not sentence her son or. Um, daughter to, you know, the rest of her life for, you know, the third robbery or DUI or whatever.
0: Right, right. I had a, a judge one time tell me it was after a, a, a bench trial on punishment and I put up this guy's entire family. And after after the, uh, the trial, the judge brought me into his chambers and was like, D- you know, think twice before putting mom uh, on the stand if it's just going to be, he's my son and I love him. Like the judge knows that, right? The judge was telling me like, I know what mom's going to say, unless you can say like, he suffered this traumatic abuse and I was not a good mom or something like that. But if it's just, you know, they're my, they're my husband, I love them. Please send them back to their family. That's not Mm -hmm. very impactful.
2: Right. And that can honestly, yeah. Like aggravate a judge. So it's like, we think that mitigation is this kind of superficial um compassion. No, 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 no. If you can't yeah. connect it to the universal, you know, humanity, then you ain't got mitigation. You got some sob, sob, you know, crime yeah. river story. You're looking like a used car salesman out there in the court. Right. So it's like what's a little bit deeper than that. Well, we first have to, in the mitigation investigation phase, way before trial, we have to get to know our mitigation witnesses and our client in such the way that they can even open up and share that information with us. And as a mitigation expert, I already have the filter and the eyes and the ears to know what I'm hearing, to know what that is actually connected to, which I want lawyers to have and to Build and to get that experience through me and my consulting, right? I want to teach how or what that really like looks like with on the job training so that they can hear, "Oh man, you know he was this, that, and the third, and in an ugly way, or had this really bad behavior, and you're thinking, "Oh, depression," and then you're thinking, "Oh, traumatic brain injury, perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. So you know when we are gathering and getting ready for a trial. It ha- the mitigation is actually um, not just, I want my husband to come home this or that, but it's a little bit deeper that, you know, um, my husband, the reason why this crime was committed in this way is because he lost his job then i got pregnant and then we were in such the description 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 of desperation and living in the crisis of poverty for this many months and he started drinking and you know i popped off and it reminded him of his mother and he blah blah this to me and that you see what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah so so you've been doing this since uh for uh, you know 11 12 years something like that is that right
2: well, mitigation? since 2011, so, so almost 2011. 10 years.
0: Ten yeah. years. Um, mm-hmm. you've, you now have your own, uh, company organization. You recently mm-hmm. wrote a book about yes. mitigation and how it can help people, not only just attorneys, but other clients, defendants, families. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about that book. What, what really drove you to, to put these, you know, this decade of experience down on paper?
2: Man, I, um, this book really came out of, um, after my, I had a capital trial last year. And after that, I was just like, I had started the book, um, you know, probably in 2018 and was slowly writing it. And then after my trial, I was just like, I can't work. I'm burnt out. I'm so Tired, so I really took my energy and I started pouring it into this book and organizing it very heavily. And you know, hired an editor and um, did a focus group and all this kind of stuff. But this book really, for me, is for people like my neighbor, for people like my grandma, for them to understand. My family still doesn't understand what I do. Like, <laughs> why do you help? Why do you help the bad guys? I don't understand why you would help the bad guys. They, you know. Yeah they deserve whatever it is that they get. They're terrible, especially if they touched a kid, you know, F them. Right. Right. Yeah. So my, my, I don't really have a lot of support at home. Let's just put it like that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Andrew and I can commiserate on a lot of that yeah. for sure. We're with you. Uh, yeah, we get asked that question all the time. We, we represent some, some pretty heinous charges, like kind of some of these cases that you've sat on and uh, yeah, definitely have felt some pushback from, other from loved ones
1: yeah well even even from you know andy doesn't ha- get as much support so thankfully COVID's made it where i could have an excuse not to have to hug him when he's having a bad day
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we stay six <laughs> feet apart um yeah, yeah that that's uh that's pretty interesting so the book is the handbook for mitigation right and it's a practical yeah. guide you say this i guess the subtitle a practical guide for the community Around a criminal case. Yeah,
1: I found that interesting that 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 this is really the the handbook appears to be written and and I've skimmed through a lot of it. Really, is written more for the community than it is for attorneys. Uh, it's like what what is really needed. What is uh, the, how do we make it the difference between a sob story and a uh, compelling story at the end of the yes. day?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I think that's great because even in some of our more, more heinous charges, you know, this person that's charged with this crime, like, let's think about, you know, sex assault of a child. Mm
2: -hmm. There's
0: still, I know it's rough, right? I'd rather not. Yeah. Yeah. But that person still has probably some family members who are going to stand by him. There's, there may be, I've never been in a trial like that where the individual did not have some family sitting on their side of the courtroom. So, Mm. so really like, I mean, this, this does affect everybody. This charge charge will affect everybody. So yes. And it is
2: affecting everybody even in the courtroom because they have to go through the case, right? They have to go through the actual case made against this person. And so as a, as the defense team, what are we doing actually in trial? And I, We don't have to talk about sex cases right now unless you want to, but I definitely, uh, mitigation is very important to sex cases. And one of my future projects is going to be specifically about mitigation investigation for sex cases um, because it's so crucial that we understand the taboo of sex in our country, and our culture, and then moving towards understanding that sex is not about sex. Everything in the world is about sex what a sex case is about is power dynamics.
0: Right. Yeah. And Mr. Mr. Decker actually used a line that, that I thought was particularly impactful in punishment on a case like that. And it was, it was hurt people hurt people. So, um, and it's so true. You know, the people who are doing the offending oftentimes are, have been, um, victims themselves. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. The, 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 well, my wife serves on a, her has served on a board for most of the last 12, 13 years for, a, uh, for the women's Center of Tarrant County, and uh, they deal with victims of sexual and domestic abuse primarily. And, and they say that you know like the studies show that if someone commits a sex crime, they're like eight times more likely than the general population to have been the victim of a sex crime. Right, right. The 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 perpetrator yes. either was a victim and or witnessed it, yeah, as a child, and so yes. those mm-hmm. become things where you go. Now I don't know how we fix it once the right. once once someone's committed the crime. I, I'm not exactly sure how we fix it and how we, you know, and that's why where where
0: the expert becomes a help or the specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we see it. You know, th- this yeah. is. Well, it's certainly like, you know, everybody's always looking in our line of work for, you know, why did this happen? And and I think just that information alone can humanize somebody and, and provide that that why and, and maybe be effective in, uh, you know, providing justice for what they're charged with, whatever that justice looks like. Mm-hmm.
1: And, all right. So so we've talked about the book a little bit. I want to uh, you are now actually uh, beginning or, or have begun a, uh, mitigation university. I, I can't remember. I know that it's something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. So, that's so the
2: name mitigation university. Yes.
1: Y- you're, you're almost as creative as Andrew and I coming up with names. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so, so in the, the, what is the goal of that, of that university as you call it?
2: Yeah. So mitigation university, the goal is to get more people doing mitigation. Right. Because I can only take on so many cases. Right. And so my idea is that um, please don't come to me and ask me to be my intern because that doesn't work. So I yeah. created Mitigation University for people who want to get into the business. And it's, um, you know, six 20 to 30 minute videos with worksheets to work through the videos and work through developing your own business and three consultations with me and getting your business started. Right. If you already have a case, then we can work on your case or work through your case. And, um, so instead of, you know, cause what's all out there for mitigation specialists right now, if you want to get in the business, there's, very limited resources when it comes to, there's not a career path. I think that UT is starting next semester, next year, a mitigation clinic in their law school, but we're not pushing out mitigation specialists. Like we're pushing out lawyers. So mitigation university is an online course that you can take at your own pace with some support for me with those consultations that are built into the price of it. But other than that, the only thing I can tell somebody to do, or anybody can tell anybody to do is go to seminars, go to webinars, go to conferences, network, find a case, an attorney that will trust you because you have a skill set of journalist, social worker, you know, anthropologist, something, and they'll put in, you kind of learn as you go. And so, um, there just really wasn't anything out there you know, for somebody like myself, whenever I started and we, they, not a lot of public defenders even have mitigation specialists on staff. They have social workers on staff. And so people are just kind of figuring it out as they go. So I created mitigation university to just be really specific about mitigation, how to do it, what to look for. And, um, you know, with my personal touch And what I have found to be successful, and I give very practical examples and things to do, whether you are looking for an expert or you're preparing for trial or you're interviewing your client or you're interviewing, um, you know, people around the case, what I call the community around the case, or like just knowing what's the difference between mental illness and behavioral disorder? What's the difference between, you know, a mental illness and a traumatic brain injury? So that's what the, the course is about.
1: Cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to answer some of those questions. No, I wouldn't either. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it, it, but, but, that's, but that's why we, we have to have yeah. experts, right? Yeah. I was talking to another attorney earlier today. We were both reading a document from a geneticist, and we mm-hmm. said the words are long enough that as attorneys, we know how to pronounce the words, but we don't know what they mean. We can't, right. none of us can be experts in everything. Right. That's right. It's just impossible. Um, and and so, so all of us need some help and and thanks for reminding us of that. Uh, what is one thing if you could, that you would change in the criminal justice system?
2: Oh, damn. I would, well, I think they're doing it now with the Corona, but I think that they need to have the phone calls for our clients and their families in the jails free. Oh. And they need to have, um, you know, I, 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 I'm sad about them not being able to have visitations. But I would say, you know, having more support for criminal defense families like they do victim outreach with the DA's office. They should have a defense um, outreach and help people actually heal and consider redemption as part of punishment for criminal defense or criminal justice reform. That's what I would like to see.
0: Nice. Agreed. Do you take, uh, court appointments? Are you privately retained? What, what, how are you getting paid?
2: Yeah, I'm privately retained, but I do take some court appointments. It just depends on the, the case honestly. Um, but I mean, I focus most of my time now with consulting on cases and, you know, an attorney will call me up and be like, I have no mitigation. I've been on this case and I have no mitigation, Victoria, help me. And I'm like, okay, so their their client will pay me, um, you know, a small fee to interview the client, mainly over the phone right now, and yeah. just kind of help then consult the attorney on like, okay, this is the mitigation that we got. This is what we need to prove up. Here's a list of 10 things that you can do for your, you know, for yourself, for your client, or you can ask your client to pay me to do, um, some of those things and move forward on the case. But I, um, you know, I have my last two capital cases right now and I'm trying to get out of that business of doing capital cases. I think that we, um, you know, for me I feel like getting more mitigation specialists in the field to work on capital cases is mainly my focus. And I'm doing a lot of cases like, you know, like I said, habituals, you know, manslaughter cases. Um, you know, sex cases like it's, um, so I can be court appointed, but honestly the private pay is, um, more beneficial to me.
0: Sure. We understand that. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We we, we have,
1: we have have appointed and retained cases as well. And
0: and so I guess my, my point is if, if anybody, and we'll get your, you know, your contact information and uh, we'll include all this information in the, in the show notes and stuff, but if anybody has a case out there, um, Retained or appointed, I guess just reach out to you first to see just to make sure that you would be a good fit for it. I mean, yeah. just hiring any other, right? And really? also,
2: you know, I want to encourage attorneys that there's not enough mitigation specialists out there. And I live in Houston and I'm not traveling right now, right? So if you know somebody that you think has a wonderful skill set, then put them through mitigation university or spot, like sponsor them or help them, or let's work out something to where they can go through mitigation university, get on the case that you are thinking about and allow me to mentor them through the case. um, That's going to get the work done a lot faster than, you know, getting on the end of my list.
0: Seriously.
2: So, um, (laughs) so that's really kind of where we're at that. I'm just like, really like, no, you know, I can't take all the work. And um, even the people that I can recommend are people who've graduated through mitigation university, because I know that they are, you know, yeah, really like I've right. vetted them. Yes. And they know they have me as a mentor and a, and a resource, but there's other people that I know through the business that I can help, you know, connect. And maybe um, you really just, um, you know, this family really just needs to get on a zoom call and help them do their um, character letters you know, for this one case. Cause it's like that. Okay. That's nothing but like a $500 fee. That's nothing. Cool. Let's do right. that.
1: Right. All right. Well, yeah, we've, we we've gotten actually, I think a ton of information, this very helpful. And we will make Thank sure you. all this is in the show notes yep, uh, that sure. I'm not in charge of. And I really, I really don't know what they are. I
0: got you. Andrew. Right. <laughs> don't worry. Right,
1: exactly. But we do ask fun questions of every guest. It helps us kind of personalize uh, people, okay. find out a little bit more about them. Um, so who is your favorite musical artist or band?
2: Um, Erica Badu. Texas Maid yeah. Erica Badu. Like she's awesome.
0: Brilliant. All right. What about your favorite book or you know, one you would recommend maybe you've read recently?
2: Okay, my um
0: besides besides the yeah, book yeah, that besides, you wrote. Besides your new book. <laughs> right, right.
2: Besides my book, I highly recommend to um Read the handbook for mitigation. But the other <laughs> book that I recommend a lot is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Yeah. When I think about universal laws, because they are in they are working whether we like them or not. This book is really thoughtful um to having integrity with you know the with with the universe in my opinion and it's I feel like it's one of the best books to uh keep going back to almost like a reference book you know
0: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. for sure
1: cool and then uh we always ask this someone as well what is the best piece of advice you've received it could be personal or professional
2: um you know be your be your authentic self because then it allows other people to be themselves too and you can get a lot you know, a lot further on down the road, you know, with people being authentic. And, um, also, you know, probably the business advice is, is that nobody cares that you're nice, Victoria. They do not care. You have to allow your work to show itself for itself. And so quit being so nice, thinking that people are going to like you so that they, then they might hire you. Forget about that because that's just going to get you in a whole world of hurt. So just allow your work to speak for yourself and leave everything else. You know, you don't, you don't have to be so nice.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I want to be liked so much that sometimes I, I will will take things that I shouldn't professionally because I want my client or their family to like me. And I think it's important to remember we are, you know, we don't have to be liked
0: to be effective,
1: to be effective. In fact, yeah. No. Or, yeah. No one likes, no one likes one of the guys in my office and he's very effective. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: we, um, where, where can our, where can our guests find, uh, find more about you, Victoria, but is it a website, um, email? I know you've got a couple of things going on with the mitigation university and the heart of justice. Which one do you, do you want to steer our listeners to?
2: Yeah, I would say, um, you know, for mitigation training to get someone into the business is. MitigationUniversity.com. Everything else goes through my website, HeartOfJustice.org. HeartOfJustice.org. The .com was bought up by somebody, and I'm not rich enough to buy it off of them yet. So I don't justice HeartOfJustice.org. You. Right now, we'll
0: link to both of those in our show notes, Thank and I you. imagine they uh, any any interested parties can can contact you directly there mm-hmm. um, through your website. We're not going to put your cell phone number out on the yeah right. uh, on the we we won't do that to you yeah um, thank you partofjustice.org <laughs> and mitigationuniversity dot com find out more about victoria and what she's doing what she can offer you and or if you want to uh, be like Victoria and and become a mitigation specialist check out those websites.
1: Yeah definitely definitely well once again we want to thank you for listening and spending some time with us uh, as we prepare for Thanksgiving um uh we are yeah. again andrew and andrew on texas
0: criminal defense where can they find us at www is that necessary to even know dot texascrimdefense.com or on any podcast platform we're we're out there everywhere
1: yeah yeah you're so young you don't even know what the w's are for um <laughs> you know
0: okay that's probably true. I don't, I don't, uh, whatever. It doesn't really matter.
1: All right. Again, Victoria, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And thank you for listening uh, to this episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Convince.